0: where did QB1 come from? Is it the Netflix show? Like, I mean, we now are using QB1, throwing it out there like QB1, QB1, QB1. Even my boys, my text message with Kubiak, I'm referred to as QB1. It's like, hang on a sec. When did this become a thing? Hello, welcome to Always College Football. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, just a couple days away from the official start of the college football season. For Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. Thanks for being with us. Please like, rate, and subscribe wherever it is you're getting the content. Whether that's on ESPN's YouTube channel, hit us up in the comments. We look forward to interacting with you because we're continuing to tailor the shows based on what you guys want to hear. And then if you're with us on podcast, whether it be on Spotify or an Apple podcast, like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. And like I've said, In previous episodes, unless you're going to rate five stars, don't bother rating. It's okay. Now, (laughs) of course, appreciate you guys being with us. Leave us some notes. Hit us up in the comments. Going to make sure that the show is exactly what you want it to be here in the days and weeks to come. We have a great game plan in store for you today because there's been so many guys listed last couple days, last week or so. QB one by the way where did QB one come from is it the Netflix show like I mean we now are using QB one throwing it out there like QB one QB one QB one even my boys my text message with Kubiak I'm referred to as QB one it's like hang on a second when did this become a thing it used to be starting quarterback but that's a conversation for a different day that's not going to be a let's talk about it item probably not worth that much discussion but either way a lot of QB1s, if I'm going to talk like the cool kids nowadays. A lot of QB1s have been announced in the last 72, 96, 120 hours or so. Uh, that's everywhere from Quinn Ewers of Texas all the way to Austin Reed. You might not even know who that is. Well, I'll tell you who he is in just a little bit. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit about the mailbag and interact a little bit with you who've provided us provided us with some outstanding questions that we need to hit at some point throughout the course of the show. So without much further ado, let's talk about it.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, let's talk about it. QB1, the term of the day. or I'm just going to refer to them as starting quarterbacks. I hope you guys are okay with that. Um, don't take it personal. For those of you in the younger generation, I'm not you know, dissing your, your lingo. I'm just These guys are starters. Don't list them as QB1, QB2, QB3. Starting quarterbacks. And start with the Texas Longhorns. Quinn Ewers officially named the starting quarterback over Hudson Card just last week. What does this mean? Quinn Ewers has an insanely gifted skill set, talented thrower. You watch him, just even if you watched warm ups at Ohio State last year, the guy throws it impressive velocity, uh, velocity, not velocity. That's that's a switch between velocity and philosophy velocity (laughs) impressive velocity impressive rpms on the football he can really spin it it's very impressive one thing i would say about Quinn Ewers is that his footwork's a little bit of a mess he likes it's almost like he practices throwing these off-platform throws which is great that's the throw of the day now since patrick mahomes became a game-changing quarterback in the nfl everyone wants to be like patrick mahomes understandably so But I would like to see him refine his craft just a little bit, be a little bit more stationary in the pocket, but he can make all the throws. No denying that. Here's the the quote from Steve Sarkeesian. Quote, we're going to have some growing pains. We're not only relatively young at quarterback, but we're relatively young as a team. So we've got to do a really good job as a staff trying to put our players in position to learn from the tough situations. Quinn can make all the throws. I feel very comfortable about that. I also feel very comfortable about his playmaking ability. I feel like his growth in the system is one where we can really see where it's going to head under him, and I'm excited about that. Now, here's what I think is a little bit interesting. There's a lot of pressure on Texas to win right now. Here in 2022, get to the Big 12 Championship, win the Big 12 Championship, maybe get to the college football playoff. That feels based on what I just read from Steve Sarkeesian and what I know about starting a true freshman quarterback. And yes, he's a true freshman because he graduated high school early last year, went through an entire fall as a scout team quarterback. Yes, those are valuable reps, but he's still a freshman for all intents and purposes. He's going to have growing pains. He's going to throw picks. He's going to make mistakes. And his uneven play is to be expected. But what can the coaching staff do? They need to put him and be mindful of the position that they put him in on a week-in, week-out basis. He'll make some spectacular plays. He'll also probably make a bonehead play or two. It's part of being a freshman and learning what you can get away with and what you can't get away with at the position. Basically, reading between the lines, Texas wouldn't be shocked if this year was good, but maybe not super elite like some have projected. Let's move next to a team that will be in the Big 12 here very, very soon. That will be the UCF Knights. They've officially announced, or at least Gus Malzahn, officially announced John Rice Plumley as the starting quarterback. He beat out Mikey Keene, who last year started 10 games In the absence of Dylan Gabriel, after Gabriel went down in the third game of the season, had a good year too. threw for over 1,700 yards, 17 touchdowns, six interceptions, 64% completion percentage. Mikey Keene did an awful lot. You know what Mikey Keene didn't do, though, is showcase the running ability that Gus Malzahn likes to utilize within his offense. Think about when his offenses have been at their best. Of course, Cam Newton, when he was the OC back in 2010 at Auburn, of course, Nick Marshall in 2013 and 14, when he was the head coach at Auburn, you think about what Gus Malzahn has done traditionally. When he has a quarterback that's mobile and a serious threat with his legs, that offense often reaches its plateau a little bit faster. Here's an interesting stat. I want to give credit to this, to Jason Starrett. All right, impressive stat that I had not thought about. There have been two FBS quarterbacks to run for two hundred plus yards against the AP number one ranked team, one is Vince Young, and that was against USC in the 2006 national championship game. The other was John Rice Plumley against LSU in 2019. This guy's got unbelievable wheels. Rushed for over a thousand yards in the SEC in 2019 and twelve touchdowns on what was a bit of a quarterback rushing attack. So that was basically what they did best. And John Rice Plumley did so beautifully. He just hasn't played quarterback in a few years. So hopefully here at UCF, he can find his form yet again. Let's go up the Atlantic coast just a little bit and talk about what's going on in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. This just being announced in the last 24, maybe 36 hours. I don't remember exactly when it came down, but Drake May has officially been announced as starting quarterback of the North Carolina Tar Heels. This is significant. He beat out Jacoby Criswell because when I watch both Criswell and Drake May in the spring game and hear kind of the rumblings throughout, it's like this thing could go either way. If they feel good about their offensive line, they might be more inclined to go with Drake May, who's not quite the athlete that that Criswell is, but maybe a little bit more accurate and a little bit more consistent from the pocket. So them leaning in this direction makes me feel like they feel pretty good about their guys up front bouncing back after what was a disappointing year in 2021. May is the younger brother of Luke May, former North Carolina basketball player, and has attempted just nine passes in his career. However, those nine passes, he completed seven of them for nearly 90 yards and also added 38 yards on the ground. So he is athletic enough to run the football, but I can't envision a scenario where they're going to have a lot of quarterback designed runs like they had at times the last few years. With Sam Howell. There's no substitute for being experienced. We understand that, but I think Drake May has a real chance to be very, very successful. Highly regarded prospect. Very highly regarded prospect. Was recruited by Alabama, recruited by just about everybody, and now has a chance to take over at a quarterback spot where the shoes are significant. I'm not denying Sam Howell's shoes are significantly large. It will be difficult to replace those shoes, but I like what they have in the supporting cast surrounding them. And I think North Carolina has a chance to be a real surprise this year. Let's move west. Now hit Nebraska, officially naming Casey Thompson. No surprise, really. I mean, if you want to read in between the lines, it felt like, well, Purder's in it, Logan Smother's in it. All these guys are in it. Sure, that's, that's great. But it felt like it was going to be Casey Thompson from the jump. He transferred to Nebraska from Texas. He started 10 games for the Longhorns last year and led the Big 12 with 24 touchdown passes. I mean, guys played a lot of football. Now, he also was beat out in the preseason last year by Hudson Card. But after Hudson Card struggled against Arkansas, Thompson was thrust in the lineup, never looked back, really liked the poise that he brought to the position. Now, it's got to be a little bit more efficient. I would like to see the completion percentage go up. He completed just 63% of his passes. Not a ridiculous number. But for a guy that's a veteran, you'd like to see that number hovering closer to 70. And with this new offensive style of attack, now that Mark Whipple's coming over from Pitt, you got to think they're going to lean a little bit more heavily on the pass game than they did in 2021. So I think Casey Thompson's going to be steady. He's going to be predictable. And this is the quote coming from Scott Frost in regards to the decision that he made in favor of Casey Thompson. Quote, There's no substitute for having played a lot of college football, and there's been fewer mistakes from him. It was a really big jump from spring ball to fall. means he got a whole lot better. Why? He had a significant thumb injury that nobody really knew that much about. No one knew the extent of the thumb injury, but he got it fixed in the summer and has been a completely different player here in the fall. So hopefully, hopefully, We can finally get a Nebraska quarterback that will take care of and value the football. No disrespect to Adrian Martinez. Just made way too many mistakes, which led to Nebraska being on the short side on too often of occasion over the last couple of years. So hopefully Casey Thompson can provide that steady hand that that Nebraska has to have if they're going to get back to the postseason for the first time in a while. Let's head down to Lubbock. Talk about Tyler Shuck. He won the job last year. When he transferred down from Oregon, but broke his collarbone in the fourth game of the year. So it really wasn't much of a year for him. It was kind of a burned year. He wasn't cleared for contact till after the season, so he could never really return. But if you look at the four games he played last year, he completed nearly 70% of his passes and threw for 872 yards. I'd say that's a pretty good clip for a guy that's finding his way in a system for the first time. He's got a pretty high ceiling. It was a four-star recruit out of Chandler, Arizona. And while he was at Oregon, did a pretty good job there. I remember watching him in person. And if you can throw next to Justin Herbert, doesn't feel like there's this crazy drop-off. You're doing something right. And I remember sitting there. I called the game. They played Arizona. It was like Kevin Summons last year. I don't remember what year it was. Anyways, long story short, they're playing Arizona. It's up in Autzen. And Tyler Shuck's just sitting there throwing it right next to Justin Herbert. And I'm like, I kind of like this backup kid. (laughs) He's pretty good. And if you think about what he's stepping into, he's stepping into a spot with Zach Kitley as his offensive coordinator where he is going to probably put up yardage that might make the Texas Tech quarterbacks from the 2000s cringe just a little bit. Here's what happened last year when Zach Kitley was coaching Bailey Zappi at Western Kentucky. Zappi threw for 62 touchdowns. FBS record. through for nearly 6,000 yards, just 23 yards away from 6,000 yards. So he set the single season passing records in both yards and in touchdowns. You're going to take a four-star prospect in Tyler Shuck, thrust him into that situation. I think you got to feel pretty good about the productivity you might get out of that position in Lubbock. Let's go next just a little bit more to the Northeast and talk about Brady Cook. This happened a couple weeks ago for Missouri. He's going to be the starting quarterback. He took over for Connor Bazelak last year, played in five games, and completed 47 to 59 passes for 350 yards, had two touchdowns, no interceptions. He also ran for 134 and a touchdown. So he beat out Tyler Macon and the Mississippi State transfer, Jack Abraham, for the starting job. I don't know if this was ever that close, There were rumblings that Macon had taken a big stride in the summer as far as his accuracy is concerned. There was rumblings about a late surge from Jack Abraham to kind of close that gap between him and Brady Cook. But after calling their spring game, I I thought it was pretty clear that Brady Cook is the guy that most closely resembles the Ryan Finley of Missouri. Ryan Finley, of course, had a ton of success at NC State under Eli Drinkwitz when Eli Drinkwitz was the offensive coordinator. Of course, Eli's now at Missouri, had that stop at App State in between, but he's now at Missouri. And I thought Brady Cook is a guy whose skill set Eli's won a lot of games with. So I've would been really surprised had he gone in a different direction. Not at all surprised that Brady Cook's the guy. I think he's going to have a sneaky good year too because I got a good, solid supporting cast up there in Como. Let's go out to Virginia Tech where Grant Wells... Was named the starting quarterback, and Brent Pry got to get this position right. We know that it's been a revolving door of quarterbacks there in Blacksburg. I think they've had six different opening day starters in the last eight years, which is pretty wild. Well, Grant Wells makes seven, <laughs> maybe he's six. Who knows? He beat out Jason Brown, who was previously at South Carolina, but before that was at Saint Francis there in Pennsylvania. Now, Wells is going to make his debut on the road against Old Dominion. And he started two years, though, at Marshall. So this is a guy that's played a decent amount of football. He's a redshirt junior, thrown for over 5,600 yards in his career. Here's the problem that I have. He's got 34 touchdowns, against 23 interceptions. Those numbers are not good enough. You got to have, at least, in today's day and age of college football, a two-to-one touchdown inter- interception ratio. And even that doesn't feel very good. You got to be smart with the football. And I hope, I hope, now that he's at a place where they're going to value kind of the, the balancing act of being a great offense and a capable defense, I'm hoping that he's going to be smarter with the football and they won't take as many risks. At Marshall, he kind of had to at times. He was, though, pretty dang good at times. He was first team All-Conference USA back in 2020 when he was a freshman. So I think it's a really important decision for Pry to get this right. Because you got two years of eligibility left with Wells. And if he's turnover prone, like he was at times at Marshall, you might have to have a quick hook against maybe a freshman or someone that you can grow with over the next couple of years. Finally, to round out our Power 5 discussion, we'll get to the group of five in just a minute. I want to acknowledge that Emory Jones has been officially named the starting quarterback at Arizona State. He won the battle over Alabama transfer Paul Tyson. And Emory Jones, I think, gets a little bit of a bad rap just a little bit of a bad rap because I think we got a little bit, or at least the media and some draft prognosticators last year got a little bit out in front of their skis. When I saw Emery Jones being mock draft in the top 20 of the 2022 NFL draft before he'd ever been a full-time starter, I started to get a little bit... It's like, Hang on a second. Let's, let's, let's calm down just a little bit. But this is a five-star guy coming out of high school. Great kid done everything that you could possibly want at Florida, just wasn't consistent enough, and wasn't really a- accurate enough at times, did have some pretty significant misses from time to time. But for the most part, he did a decent job. 65% through for over 3,300 yards, did have 430 attempts. So 3,300 yards on 430 attempts, not ideal, but still not terrible by any stretch of the equation. He also had that 26 to 14 touchdown interception ratio. So he's played an awful lot. And he, of course, has the athleticism to take over for a team that has an awful lot of question marks. I think Arizona State's going to struggle this year. Hopefully, we get enough from Emory Jones so that they remain competitive out there in the Pac-12.
1: right out of all the transfers you just talked about there, which one do you think is going to help your help a school win more games? Like, is somebody going to take it uh, up to the next level? You know, who who can do that?
0: I think Casey Thompson at Nebraska is probably poised to have the most significant impact on the win-loss total, partly because of just how close Nebraska was last year, right? Three and nine, but they lost all games, every game they played by like nine points or less. I mean, how many of their games came down to the wire? How many of their games did they have control of, if not for a mistake that would flip momentum or would flip the field or give easy points to the opposition, so if you look at and Vegas agrees vegas last last year you know they're they're evaluating that team that won three games, well, then they come into this season, and their number set at seven and five, seven point five excuse me uh, as the win loss total over under and i I kind of lean just ever so slightly towards the over too, and i I like a lot I like. The Big Ten West this year, I think all those teams have a chance to be a little bit better than they were last year, with the exception of a team or two. So I I think that as far as actual win-loss total, the team that we just listed, Nebraska, Texas, North Carolina, UCF, Texas Tech, like UCF won nine games, right? Like Texas Tech, they won a decent amount of games. How many more can they win? I think Nebraska, Casey Thompson could mean up to, and Vegas agrees with me, up to four and a half more wins. From what they did a year ago so if we're going based on overall team performance uh, i wouldn't be shocked to see casey thompson have a pretty significant impact on what nebraska can be
1: what about john rice plumley at ucf i mean is there a chance like under gus Melzon's system that they could run the table i mean their schedule's manageable and they're at their versus louisville in week two after that it's all aac if they could they run the table with john rice
0: Yeah, they could. I mean, if you look at their schedule, it sets up nicely for them. Uh, Louisville, of course, will be a challenge in week two. But if you look at their schedule, and I don't have it in front of me, um, UCF's schedule is for the most part manageable. I feel like they miss Cincinnati. Uh, I feel like they have a road trip to Memphis. They play Cincinnati at home, though. They play them at home, but they they go to Memphis, right? And I'm trying to think, like I said, I don't have their schedule in front of me. But I know what Gus Malzahn likes from his quarterback. And I know too that while we talk a lot about the quarterback run game and the explosiveness that Nick Marshall had at the position when he was at Auburn in 13 and 14, I also know that Nick Marshall from time to time was pretty dang good throwing the deep ball. Now, maybe not great on the intermediate stuff, maybe not great on the underneath stuff, but he could keep you honest if those safeties started to creep up towards the line of scrimmage. Nick Marshall could throw it over your head, and then there you go. Sammy Coates is going to run out underneath it. So I don't know right now if John Rice Plumlee has that ability. He has been a liability as far as throwing the football, but he's an elite athlete. So if he can prove at least once, twice, three times a game to be capable of hitting a downfield throw, there's no telling what this offense could be. But... There's also a little bit of a question mark there because over the course of his time as a starter at Ole Miss, and granted, that was three years ago, his time as a starter at Ole Miss, those opportunities to be real consistent throwing the football, they didn't often present themselves. All right, let's move into the group of fives where there are some really impressive quarterbacks that'll be taken to the field this year after winning their quarterback competition. Let's start with Western Kentucky. We all know what Bailey Zappi did last year. In steps, Austin Reed. He beat out Jared Dagetty, formerly of West Virginia. That's a guy coming from West Florida. He won the national championship in D2 in 2019. And as a starter, he's 22-3, and three, thrown for over 7,500 yards and 78 touchdowns and has been described as a, quote, gunslinger. So interested to see what Reed can do there For the top. Liberty is named Charlie Brewer, who's in his sixth year of eligibility. 39 conference starts, excuse me, 39 career starts for Baylor from 2017 to 2020. Headed to Utah last year. Bad system fit, hopefully with the RPO system they run there at Liberty. He'll be a little more comfortable. Louisiana tapped Chandler Fields. As the starter, he's going to be replacing Levi Lewis and Fields was 12 of 22 passing for 122 last year. But there has been, at least according to his coach, there's a lot of upside there that stands with Fields. Tanner Mordecai is the starting quarterback at SMU. No surprise there. Guy was the incumbent and did a great job last year. Threw for 39 touchdowns had 41 touchdowns overall and completed nearly 68% of his passes for over 3,600 yards and was a semifinalist for the Maxwell and the Davy O'Brien Award. And then finally, Louisiana Tech has announced Matthew Downing as the starting quarterback. He comes over with Sonny Comby from TCU, Downing, and started his career at Georgia, found his way to TCU, and now will be the starting quarterback at Louisiana Tech. All right, let's move into it. It's time to interact
1: with you, our wonderful listeners and viewers. It's time for our mailbag. That's right. First one comes from Jack in Dallas. With the amount of hype around C.J. Stroud and the Buckeye offense, is this the year Ryan Day can bring home the CFP trophy to Columbus?
0: You know, what's funny is everyone wants to talk about the offense all the time and how important CJ Stroud is and how great these receivers are and how good the offensive line should be and the talent they have at running back and the depth that they have all over the offense. But y'all, the difference between hopefully last year, 2020 included, if you want to lump all those in together, and what is a championship contending and winning roster is on the defensive side. It's not on the offensive side. Like, I love C.J. Stroud. I think they could score a million points. it will be great. But there will come a time in which their defense has to get off the field. And they have to do so against quality competition. I think back to what they were the last couple years. All right. What is Ohio State? When you think of Ohio State and you think of the best versions of Ohio State, 2014 national champs, 2015, probably as good as anybody in college football, just had, you know, the one performance against Michigan State that was regrettable. But the best Ohio State teams are teams that can get after the quarterback. Well, the last two years, they finished 49th in 2020 in sacks, 34th in 2021 in sacks. That's not good enough. I mean, as simple as that, that is not good enough. So if Ohio State's going to take the next step, I'm not talking about take the next step into the playoff. I'm not even talking about take the next step into the national championship game. I'm talking about winning the national championship. They have to be able to affect the opposing quarterback because when you get to that level, you're playing against the likes of Bryce Young. You're playing against the likes of Joe Burrow. You're playing against a quarterback that is of that quality and you have to be able to affect them. Now you can say, well, Stetson Bennett got there. Well, Stetson Bennett played pretty dang well down the stretch against a team that could get after the opposing quarterback. So he held up in the fourth quarter of a national championship game. So you can talk about, can CJ Stroud bring home the Heisman? No. Can Jim Knowles bring home the hardware? He's got to be the best coach in America with what he inherited as the Ohio State defense to where he's hopefully going to have them playing in 2022. So Jim Knowles, we could talk about the Heisman. That's great. Jim Knowles needs to win the Broyles Award as the nation's top assistant. And if they do find themselves in the playoff, if they do find themselves in the national championship game, they better be able to create key matchups and they ever better be able to create advantages along the offensive front, or excuse me, the defensive front going against opposing offensive lines. So uh, I think you talk about the offense all you want. That's not where Ohio State's lost games. They've lost games on the defensive side and they better get that ironed out or else they're going to come up short again in 2022.
1: All right. Moving on. Tim in Utah. How hot is David's David Shaw's seat after losing seasons in 2019 and 2021? If the Cardinal have another losing season, is Shaw's tenure at Stanford over?
0: I don't think it is. Now, I, I think that David Shaw, Stanford does not seem like a like an administration that's going to be super proactive about replacing their coach, are there people associated with Stanford right now that are willing to pay the buyout to get him out? Like are people really infuriated with the current quality or lack thereof of football being played at Stanford? I don't know. They're eleven and nineteen over the last three years. You also take into account a four and two season during the COVID years. So you're right. Here's the other thing that I think is bothersome. And if you look at dating back to twenty fifteen, if you want to go back before that, twenty 14, 13, 12, whatever. If you want to look at where they were ranked in the preseason compared to where they were ranked at the end of the season. They've only overachieved from their preseason ranking one time. That was in 2015. That was the Christian McCaffrey year where they went to the Rose Bowl and dominated Iowa. So it was a great football team. But they started the season 20th that year, finished third. Every other season, which they've been in the preseason poll, they've finished well below where they initiated the season. They've even, in most cases, finished outside the top 25 when they came into the season ranked in the preseason poll. That's not good enough. Like, why is it that this team has not surged? If anything, they've just flat out underachieved. And that's look, preseason polls aren't everything, but at some point or another, I mean, I'd like to see you be better based on what you actually did as opposed to what you were on paper coming into the season so i don't think he's in jeopardy of losing his gig but i do think that after another year in which they're somewhat disappointing people could start to get a little bit restless with what's going on and the current trajectory at stanford especially knowing that stanford's very much in the midst of realignment discussions assuming the big ten wants to expand 220 teams so having a good quality football product would be advantageous to that realignment so i think that it would be important for them to potentially you know find themselves being more competitive week in
1: week out all right the next one's a special one we got a, a video question and we'll take those at always at gmail.com but yeah we got a video question for you here uh McElroy, so let's let's listen in
0: McElroy, uncle frank here when i'm on the line you know it's a gambling question Seeing the board and the Power 5 is very clear. But want to get a little obscure non-Power 5 futures bet. Looking at one of the two. Either Houston over 9 or Air Force over 8.5. We've got to put the shades on because the futures are bright. Thanks, Uncle Frank. Appreciate that. Uh, I might know him. um, How he got the email, even though we give out the email on every show, how he got that, if we could please block Uncle Frank. For the weeks to come, that'd be uh beneficial because there'll be a lot of self serving gambling questions probably coming from him uh all right, let's talk quickly about those two teams Air Force eight and a half, Houston at nine. I think Air Force is a far better bet, and I love Houston this year. You guys know that here's why let's go through the list for Air Force of games they could potentially lose Colorado at home that's in week number two. Could you lose at Utah State potentially? Could you lose at Army? Potentially. Could you lose at San Diego State? Potentially. That's four games. I mean, every other game should be a win. Even Boise State at home, who I have a ton of respect for, but it's at Air Force. And Air Force is one of the teams this year that comes back with a lot of quality pieces on both sides of the football. So I think Air Force is a lock to win nine. Uh, Worst case scenario, they win nine. That's maybe I'm feeling just extra good about Air Force right now, but I'm very confident in them. Houston, on the other hand, while I think if they played Air Force in a neutral site head-to-head, I would pick Houston to win every day of the week. But I look at what they have. Theoretically, Houston could start the season 0-3. You're going to say, hang on a second. Wait, What? Well, they play at UTSA in week one. UTSA was a team that won 10, 11, 12 games last year. Whatever it was, the Roadrunners were excellent. Now they have to replace sincere McCormick. have to replace some good pieces. But all things considered, I mean, UTSA is not a slam dunk. You go to Texas Tech. We know that there's a new sheriff in town at Texas Tech. Got to think the Red Raiders are going to be better. You have Kansas at home. Kansas, under Lance Leipold, year number two, probably think they're going to be better. Now, Houston will likely be favored in two of those three games. But it's not out of the realm of possibility they could lose all three. It's definitely possible. But either way, that's when it gets you get to those three, it gets a little bit more manageable. Rice at home, Tulane at home, both should be wins. At Memphis, tricky game, should be a win. At Navy, should be a win. South Florida at home, should be a win. At SMU, maybe the toughest game on the schedule. Especially knowing that Rhett Lashley is going to be there. Tanner Mordecai, like we talked about earlier in the show. Really quality piece there at quarterback. So that's probably the toughest game on the schedule. You have Temple at home, one of the worst teams in America. At East Carolina, another very tricky game. East Carolina is sneaky good and is a team that nobody should take lightly, especially at their place. When they get Purple Haze going, it gets a little wild. And then Tulsa at home there at the end of the season. So I think Houston, 10-2, 9-3, very reasonable. But the margin for error is a little bit thinner, especially knowing their non-conference slate there at the very beginning. So Air Force over 8.5 would be the play for me when comparing them against what the Cougars might do. Look, thanks for being with us. We really appreciate you. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Really helps us out. Really helps the show out. If you're on ESPN's YouTube channel, hit us up in the comments. Tell us where we can improve. Tell us how we can get better. You can email the show at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. Send us your video messages. We'll get them into the mailbag and we'll continue our interactions here as we lead up to the first games of the college football season being played here this week. And then, of course, the full slate being next week there in week one. Hit us up on social media. Always CFB, Instagram and Twitter. Give us a like, give us a rating, follow us. Whatever you want to do to interact with the show, it'll help us out along the way. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. We really appreciate you being with us. And remember, it's Always College Football.